Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is May 12th, 2023. It is Friday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Grow Your Own Optimist. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is Girls, you've got to know when it's time to turn the page by Tori Amos. So what are we drinking today? We are drinking Dark Fay, which is a mate blend from Sip a Spell, and we are talking about ginger. So we've already talked a little bit about the history, the origins, the culinary, the health. So today we're talking a little bit about how you can use ginger in your magic, and this comes to us from EnchantedAromatics.com. So using ginger in magical or spiritual rituals works on a emotional, physical, astral, and spiritual level. Energy is the living fabric of the universe. So like everything else, some people are better at sensing spaces and energies than others. So what is ginger? Well, we know what ginger is. We've talked about it. So in terms of correspondences, gender, um, gender, gender, gender is uh, considered to correspond with the fire element, Mars, the sun, uh, Aries, hey, uh, ginger is associated with the deities Hecate, Artemis, uh, yeah, oh, and citrine, pyrite, and garnet. So ginger can help you by bringing an underperforming root chakra back into balance, they say, which is very interesting. Ginger can magnify and manipulate the energy used to heal. Let's see. What else? I'm not loving this website. Ginger can be used to protect a space. Um, or protect against nightmares yourself. So it probably works really well in like a little sachet charm. Um, it definitely is a fire. It's definitely a fire herb, which we already uh, touched on. But fire, any fire herb, like cinnamon, ginger, cayenne, it oomphs spells. It adds power and energy. So if you've been working on a spell and it's just like has not been giving, um, add some ginger. It might just be the oomph uh, that you need. And that is not from this website. I am not loving this website. I had already gone through it and I thought I saw some good stuff and I didn't. So um, that's my advice. Charms uh, for protection, um, fire, that heavy energy, that strength. If you need to oomph a spell, ginger is going to be where it's at. All right, moving into some headlines. This is a fun one out here from New Orleans. And you know how I feel about our house is haunted, we swear. Old people in news articles, you know, I don't love it. But 
one, this is from New Orleans, so hey. Um, and two, it's a sausage ghost, and I'm sorry. I need to know why we named a ghost Sausage Ghost. So we're digging in. This is from NOLA.com. Rooted in reality, a macabre 1927 Ursuline Street killing may be behind the Sausage Ghost legend. So, not all legends, it turns out, are created equally. For example, there's the legend of the French Quarter's Sausage Ghost of 725 Ursuline Street, which, as discussed uh, last week in this space, appears to have been invented by Louisiana author Lyle Saxon. It's one of the fun kind. And then there's the real-life horror that played out just a few years before Saxon introduced readers to the Sausage Ghost, which may have inspired his fictional tale. So like the Sausage Ghost story, it is set on Ursuline Street. It centers on marital infidelity and involves a wedding ring. But fun? Not exactly. Dubbed the New Orleans Trunk Murders. Oh, I know about these. Okay, hang on to your hat. Hang on to your hat, okay? Uh, the crime has spawned ghost stories invented by various tour guides, although the gruesomeness of what the real-life tragedy is horrifying enough even without embellishment. Flashback to the mid-1800s and the development of uh, much of the block bounded by Ursuline, Bourbon, Royal, and Hospital, now Governor Nichols Street, by the Company of Architects of New Orleans, which constructed a number of small shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder townhouses. Among them was a charming two-and-a-half-story home, 715 Ursuline. Okay, so let's get into the people. So when brothers Henry and Joseph Moiti originated from New Iberia, moved into the second-floor apartment with their wives and combined five children in summer of 1927, they would have been most concerned with putting food on the table. The extended Moiti family had recently been evicted from a home on Esplanade Avenue for non-payment of rent. The move to Ursuline apparently didn't change much from a cash flow standpoint. According to the Times-Picayune, Joseph Moiti had been unemployed for some time, not counting odd jobs he found here and there, as well as brief failed stint as a streetcar motorman. 30-year-old Henry Moiti, Joseph's junior by five years, was only marginally more employable. As a Navy deserter, he worked on and off as a street painter before moving to New Orleans from New Iberia. According to the testimony of, jo of Joseph Moiti, neither marriage was happy. Henry was prone to drinking, and both of the wives uh, were said to uh, have side side pieces. <laughs> They didn't say side pieces. They said harbored side romances. Come on. In fact, uh, Joseph Moiti had recently decided to end his marriage, moving out of Ursuline and sending his two children to live with their grandparents in New Iberia. And that left Henry behind with Leonide, Teresa, his three children, and his demons. So then according to police on the night of October 27th, um, Henry drank crazy and insanely jealous, according to Picune attacked his wife and sister-in-law, armed with a club and cane. I won't say what he did. From there, um, he woke up his children and uh, dropped them off in the middle of the night to his brother's new home. The next day, police were summoned after a cleaning woman had discovered the wives. Um, and it's called the trunk murders. I'm going to let you fill in those gaps. So... Um, yeah, 
So every night, I get, who's Chapman? Who is this man? Um, does he live there? Okay, I guess he owns. Oh, he is the board president of nonprofit Vucar. Oh, he's a co-owner of the of the new place. So he says almost every night, Chapman hears passing tour guides spin fantastical yarns about ghosts and spirits and bleeding walls at 715 Ursuline. He can only shake his head. The house isn't a haunted house, he said. It is a crime scene. The exploitation of real-life tragedy that played out there doesn't sit well with him. I would just ask people to think. It is in terrible taste to think of these tragedies as entertainment. We say as we read this article and as they wrote it and as they published it. <laughs> you did an interview, sir. Uh, this place is absolutely not haunted. It's a lovely house that unfortunately had a really tragic thing happen back in the 20s. I mean, it's a good, like, I have a lot of uh, feelings around, like, true crime and, like, how it can be done appropriately and how it's often done exploitatively. Um, basically, my feelings on it is people are always going to be uh, curious about the macabre, period, right? We're trying to fill in gaps, right? right? Why do people do things? What causes things to happen? I, it's very natural. For me personally, and I know everyone's going to have different feelings on this, just like witchcraft, right? We all have our different ethics and rules and laws for our, for governing ourselves. For me personally, I tend to draw lines where it's a situation where are there still family members who are alive? If so, yes, just don't, you know? Um, we are not romanticizing murderers. That's a big one for me. I don't like that. I don't think that's a good idea. And um, if something has been done over and over and over and over and over and over again, maybe we stop. And that is how I felt about the Ryan Murphy Dahmer series. How many documentaries? How many movies? What more? What more? I... I I mean, the fact that Ryan Murphy dug up the ghost of Richard Ramirez and made him a hunky love interest uh, in one of his shows upsets me already. Maybe he's just not for me. Um, but I definitely think there's ways to talk about these things, like, ethically, you know. Uh, but I definitely understand people who, like, aren't too into it. Anyways, Sausage Ghost, even though we never heard the fake Sausage Ghost story. All right, so I am throwing this over to our moon correspondent, and after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Friday, May 12th. The last quarter moon thinks outside of the box in Aquarius today. Here, the moon squares the sun and Uranus. There have been a lot of unexpected things happening as of late, and it's really starting to interrupt our plans. Every time we feel like we're on a roll, something else happens to throw us off our game. These events feel especially intrusive today, and we're beginning to fray at the edges. There's no way to prepare for things that are unanticipated. It is unfortunately necessary for us to just roll with the punches today. But we can adjust our expectations. Know that today will probably be a little frustrating. Make space for those unforeseen circumstances, and you are sure to make it out of the day unscathed. Your daily moon mantra is, change is not a threat, 
it's an opportunity. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. From the pages of Which Way Magazine comes a new collection of stories by longtime fiction contributor Olivia Blake called Grow Your Own Optimist. Featuring a never-before-seen short story, Grow Your Own Optimist is often romantic, occasionally satirical, and always unexpected. These surprising tales of demons, devil's advocates, dystopia, and dating remind us that there is magic to be found in the dark places. Olivia Blake is a New York Times best-selling author of The Atlas Six and several other books, including the Which Way anthology, The Answer You Are Looking For Is Yes, and the novella La Petite Mort. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Goblin Prince Toddler, and Rescue Pitbull. Find the new anthology series, Grow Your Own Optimist, by Olivia Blake, wherever books are sold. All right, we are back. So this is the last day of our Fae series. We've been talking about the Fae and um, maybe not lesser known, but just ones I don't hear about particularly often that strike my interest. So we have talked about changelings, nymphs. Um, what did we do last time? Garden gnomes. That was oddly fun. Um, and today we are talking about brownies. So it's really interesting is I – Oh, and like, let's span the cultures we've we've talked about. We've had Greek, I think, with nymphs. We have had Irish with um, the changelings. We've had Germany and Scandinavian countries with the gnomes. And today we have Scotland. So the brownie. I actually watched Willow for my birthday. Me and my friend did a little Skype birthday date, and we watched Willow, which I hadn't seen since I was a little child, and I forgot how much I loved it. And there are brownies. In folklore, a brownie resembles the hob, similar to the hobgoblin. Brownies are said to inhabit houses and aid in tasks and aid around the house. However, they do not like to be seen and will only work at night, traditionally in exchange for small gifts of food. Among food, they especially enjoy uh, porridge and honey. They usually abandon the house if their gifts are called payments or if the owners of the house misuse them. Brownies make their home in an unused part of the house. This is sounding very uh, the lore we hear about the fae. Like fae, like um, you most often hear about the fae that they're very uh, persnickety and uh, a little fickle and very sensitive to like how they're talked about. So this is really kind of sounding of where that came from. Folklorist John Gregerson Campbell distinguishes between the English brownie that lived in houses and the Scottish Ursic, which lived outside in streams and waterfalls and was less likely to offer domestic help. The Ursig uh, enjoyed solitude at certain seasons of the year. Around the end of the harvest, he became more sociable and hovered around farmyards, stables, and cattle houses. He particularly enjoyed dairy products and tended to intrude on milkmaids who made regular libations of milk or cream to charm him off or to um, gain his favor. He was usually seen only by those who possessed second sight, though there were instances when he made himself visible to ordinary people as well. He is said to have been jolly and personable, with flowing yellow hair, wearing a broad 
blue bonnet, and carrying a long walking staff. Every manor house is said to have one of these. And in the kitchen, close by the fire, was a seat, which was left unoccupied for him. One house on the banks of the River Tye was even... um was even until the beginning of the 20th century believed to have been haunted by such a sprite. Brownies seldom spoke with humans, but they held frequent and affectionate conversations with one another. They had general assemblies as well, usually held on a remote uh, rocky shore. Quote, not above 40 or 50 years ago, every family had a brownie or evil spirit, so-called, which served them, to which they gave a sacrifice for his service. But when they turned butter, they took a part thereof and sprinkled every corner of the house with it. For brownies' use, likewise, they then brewed and made a stone called the brownie's stain, wherein there was a little hole in which they poured some wort or a sacrifice to the brownie. They also had some sacks of corn, which they called brownie stacks, uh, though they were not bound by straw ropes or in any way fenced in as other stacks used to be. They were the greatest storm of wind uh, would not be able to blow the straw off of them. And uh, brownies are considered, I guess, according to this website, like a type of goblin. And it seems like they're called brownies because um, it's really close to a Celtic word that I cannot even attempt to pronounce. I will say those are some of my favorite videos on TikTok of people trying to pronounce Celtic names. Um, I think it is really adorable. So yeah, brownies, little house helpers. I love it. Uh, it seems, remember like the story of the cobbler who like he had shoes and then he would go to sleep and uh, he wouldn't get all his work done. And in the morning, all his work would be done. And it was because of the fae. That was probably brownies, you know? All right, witches. We are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Don Howard. Don, you wicked badass Wendigo. Veronica, you thoughtful glowing sunfish. Lori Sanderson, you scrumptious magical oracle. And finally, Casey O, you poetic sweet vampire slayer. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. A little housekeeping. Uh, this Sunday. I think. Yes, this Sunday. Wait a minute. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so confused. Um, this Friday, we have our little witch chat where we come together and we just chit chat and just talk and have a nice time. Um, and then on Sunday we have our book club, which we will talk about our little short stories that we read. And it'll be really fun. And then don't forget, we are also doing a little charmed rewatch. Those post on Wednesdays. So if you're like, hey, I've been meaning to like rewatch Charmed and I just haven't had like an opportunity to, well, join me. I'm going to like pull little trivia things. Um, it's really, and it's not live, so you can do it. You can watch it with me whenever you want. I'm going to pull little trivia things. I'm going to share some behind the scenes stuff. Like I got you, you know. Uh, so before we leave, we do have a card pull today. Our card is the Nine of Stakes from the Buffy Tarot. Being brave and heroic sounds great, but what about when you're getting your butt kicked left, right, and center? The Nine of Stakes finds you recoiling from a punch to the face, bruised and weary, but still fighting. When this card appears, it means your courage is being tested. 
But guess what? You have a secret weapon. The people on your side. Surrounding you with love and support. Oh, because you are one hit away from defeating your enemy. Alright, witches. That's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources. Anything we talk about today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again next week. Witches. We hope you have a wonderful day, full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.